through. Okay, listeners, we're back and we're up to episode 84, which is fantastic, of the Adrianbo podcast. And it's brought to you by Adrianbo Training and Auction Services at adrianbo.com. You can uh, visit there anytime. And today I'm absolutely delighted to welcome to you a, um, a very high profile figure in our industry and someone who's given a lot to our industry in the three decades that he's been involved, Mr. Andrew Coronas. Andrew, how are you, sir? Yeah, great, Adrian. Thank you very much. How are you? Excellent, excellent. I really appreciate you uh, joining the podcast today. As we were saying just before we went live, um, you know, we've we've been in the industry a similar amount of time, and we've exchanged a few messages, and and uh, but we've never really actually sat down and had a decent conversation. So, what 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 a great opportunity to do it today. It is. Thanks for the opportunity. Love it. No problem at all. So I thought I'd just start, you know, there's a lot of people who listen to my podcast, you know, we get over about a thousand downloads a week and um, people are very fascinated with the genesis or the initial journey of each guest. Um, sure. So talk, talk, us, talk us through that, how your um, journey in real estate commenced, Andrew. Yeah, thank you. Look, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Most people kind of fall into real estate and I'm no different. I uh, finished school and my dad said to me, what are you going to do with your life? And I like the sporting field better than I like the academic classroom. Um, so I um, got a job. We had one little, he had a little office at Stafford. And I suppose it was a typical real estate office where, you know, you, you make ends meet as a family. We had a nice upbringing, nice family and, and, and had uh, a reasonable lifestyle. But it, by certain means, it wasn't a business. It was more a job. Um, and I think a lot of real estate agents, uh, agencies, I should say, you know, selling principles continue along that path because it's hard to make a profit if they don't do it. And dad was no different to that. So, look, I joined in 1988 when I finished school. Um, I went and did uh, a course of real estate valuation at, at university. I'd, I've never used that since, to be honest. Um, and I really enjoyed um, the people side of it, like most of us do, I suppose. We fall into real estate. And from 1988 to 1995, I, I call it the mucking around years. I was young and having a really good time, like a lot of um, people in our industry do. Um, but didn't really have any goals and didn't have any means. And I think, you know, it was a really important moment in 95 where my father uh, and Craig Gillies, who's still with us today, um, and myself as a shareholder in the business, um, we sat down and we said, look, this really sucks. Um, where are they going to get good at this? So we've got to get out and find another income stream because this isn't going to give us what we want out of our lives. Um, we were a small office. And again, I think the, the, the words I use are making ends meet. Um, but I just didn't want that for my life. So in 1995, we went on a journey of learning and get a bit of training. And we, um, we I remember listening to John McGrath, to be honest, years ago. Um, and, you know, there was, we, we, I went on a journey to learn as much as I could from 1995. And we grew an office then. We had three people. And we had a, one very good office in 2000. So five years of hard work. We, the first two years, Craig, myself and dad agreed to work seven days a week because um, we're going to knuckle down and really have a crack at it. And I'm really pleased we did. So the business grew to a pretty successful office in Stafford and north of Brisbane um, in 2000. And then I got a, a bit itchy because I, I, I suppose my first love is business and always has been um, all the way through school, not so much real estate. I was never the best real estate salesperson, I was, um, but I, I was adequate and I wanted to grow more offices. So dad said, here's the keys, go and take the business and have a crack in 2002. And we started growing offices from then up to 23 offices, um, which was a really good point for us. Um, with COVID though, and the modern business, we've, we've done a whole 
um, new strategy of what we call our hubs. And we've got 10 hubs down the spine of Southeast Queensland working towards that now. Uh, so we amalgamated a lot because the typical model of a real estate office from 1988 to now has changed a lot, right? And the way the agents do business with technology. So um, we're finding that's a better model for us. Um, we made property management a big part of our business and a separate business, to be honest, not just part of the business. Um, and that was a really good thing for us. And we've also done a lot of diversity with our income streams now that we have a, um, a, a, a quite a, our, our three main parts of our business, our sales business, our property management business, and our mortgage and finance business. Mortgage and finance is a great add-on for our business um, and it creates clients for life, um, probably better than I've seen. Fantastic. So... At that time, Andrew, around 95, when you drew the line in the sand and went from making ends meet to going pro, let's call yes. it that for, for yes. argument's sake, um, obviously you said you, 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 you immersed yourself in training or whatever, but what specifically changed? What actions did you specifically take in that period of time to go pro? Um. It was, it was mainly around the, the prospecting and looking for business and having a pipeline of consistent people coming to us, if I'm talking in the sales business mm-hmm. and the property management business, and working very effectively and very consciously on providing a pipeline of clients for the long term who came to us working hard at it, which came down to talking to a lot of people, to be honest. If you, um, I remember distinctly in those seven days a week, we were always talking to people. Now, whether we call it prospecting or whether you call it relationship building, it doesn't matter. Real estate's a people business. And, and if you talk to enough people, you get enough business. And I think that's ultimately what created an office that was selling four or five um, a month to you know, six months later, we were selling, between Craig and I, two people were selling 15 to 20 properties a month. Um, and we really started having a go and getting support around us. Um, so the training was one aspect, but getting the rubber to hit the road and following the trainers and doing what they said, to be honest. If they were successful at doing it and they've proven they've done it before, I just put it in play. I, I was a very good um, implementer. There you go. Good. So, so really just having faith in process because you obviously took on board, you know, because there's a lot of people that, that will listen to training, that will listen to tips and, and they just won't implement them. Um, because as we, as you've learned, Andrew, information is not the key. It's implementation, which is the key because information's out there, right? You can immerse yourself online today and, and, and learn anything you need to in real estate. In fact, it's one of the most unique industries, Andrew, because, you know, I'm sure if you're a lawyer or an accountant or a doctor, there may not be those, those similar resources available. So it's one of those unique industries. Um, so implementation uh, was, was what you're saying was the game changer for you, whether it was prospect or relationship building, whether it was a skill set, whether it was um, a pipeline, whatever, you're, whatever it was at that particular time, it was rather than just being reactive, you started to become quite proactive in all the implementation strategies, right? Yeah. I, I, I suppose I'll go one step further. Um, yes, I totally agree with what you're saying, because you don't implement anything, it just doesn't happen. Um, there are certain set of actions you need to achieve on a daily basis to deliver results. And we certainly did those and that lifted performance. But if, if, if I think back to the question and put a bit more thought around what you said originally, what was the key changer? I think our why changed. Our why was we weren't happy being mediocre. Mm. Um, we wanted to be winners. So when then you go on the journey of the training and then you put the implementation in. So I suppose the biggest thing is the goals that I had for my life and where I wanted to be were 
certainly a lot more than what I was in 1995. So I had to do something about it, which was go and learn and implement. Correct. That's brilliant. Yeah. It's a bit, it's a bit cliche these days to say, what's your why? Because Simon Sinek has probably overdone it a little bit. However, however, it, it really is the new driver, isn't it? And goals in the 80s was the big thing, Andrew, as you remember. Um, you know, but definitely, you know, the reason why you wake up to do what you do every day is, is, is really the most important thing. Um, so I, I think that's, that's a really critical point that you've made is, is, you know, your why changed rather than it just being, well, let, let's just be in business to, to have a name or let's just be in business to make a living. It was right. Well, let, let, let's go pro. Let's be the best. There has to be a best in that, in your core market. So why, why can't it be us? So that, that's a brilliant takeaway, I think. Um, so Andrew, you said that you've gone through some recent consolidation. So 23 offices, 10 hubs, are they mutually exclusive or is that still the case today or what's talk us through that? Yeah, sure. Um, now we don't have the offices anymore. Um, uh, COVID, uh, we had a plan we were calling a mission 10 four, which is um, for you know, putting basically four of our offices into one big hub. Right. Uh, and these days the, the, in my opinion, running an agency is all about providing services to our key clients. And that necessarily is not the people who actually run the houses, uh, who own the houses. That's the people who work for us. Because my, my, my big philosophy in business is if your team is engaged and passionate about working with you, mm. they will do a good job by the clients. I mean, I, I can't be in a house with everybody to make sure they're doing a good job by the clients. And we have systems and procedures to, with MPS to make sure that our client satisfaction rating is high enough. Mm. But our, I, I really think, you know, they're our, we call them our customers, but our real clients are our salespeople. And our job in our hubs now is to provide quality leadership. Um, when we had small offices, we couldn't afford to pay the freight that you need to pay to people who are quality leaders of people. And, and again, it's a bit over choose term leaders slash managers, coaches. And um, that's the way we like to look at it um, because our real philosophy and our purpose in our business is to make our team's life better because they work with us. And we're really trying hard to do that. And we couldn't afford to pay for the quality leadership of people in the offices when they were small. So we needed to have big turnover models so we can pay. Um, you know, some of our leaders are coming out of flight center, for example, and they're not real estate trained, but they're people trained. And a lot of the time, the skills from a real estate agent are there. You know, I remember many years ago, someone saying, if you can sell one house, you can sell a hundred, right? You've got mm. the skills to do it. There's no, mm. there's no different skill. If you can do it once, you can do it a hundred times. Yeah. And, I really like the fact that um, I really like the fact that if you skills training in real estate is very important. Please don't get me wrong, but I think the working with the sales teams on their life and getting their life better because of their association with real estate provides a lot more longevity and happier people, and then the clients get looked after better. Okay, so yeah. so you, you we've got ten hubs now as opposed to twenty three offices. Is that correct? Yeah, we've, we've got eight. We're building up to 10. We had 10, to do some okay. repositioning re of hubs, which okay. were the Gold Coast, our next hunting ground for that. So, so do, right. Okay, so from, from Brisbane to the Gold Coast is your natural geographical progression. Yeah, the Sunshine Coast. Um, we have a hub up at the Sunshine Coast and, and, the, um, and all the way down the Gold Coast. But we're repositioning the Gold Coast hubs now. Okay. So do you think that would have been inevitable despite COVID, just given the landscape has changed and obviously the use of technology? 
Yeah, hundred percent. We had that. Okay. We had mission ten four in eighteen months ago. Um, COVID yeah. helped us expedite it, to be honest, because it was needed at that particular point in time. But we were always going to do it because it was, in my opinion, the corner real estate office is nearly dead now. Um, you need to offer more to people working there than just having just having an open door. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the moment, your your company owned, but you you got a recent initiative to franchise. If you could just talk us talk us through that. Yeah, we've got, I mean, look, ideally, I want to, I want to create, and it sounds a bit cliched, I know, but I really want to add something back to the industry and help evolve it, to be honest, because we haven't done much different in the industry over many years. Mm. Um, and I think there's, there's scope for it. So um, we want to franchise um, our business around Australia because we see the benefit of that. Um, we're also doing a, a model of uh, property management at home, which is a, a franchise as well. So there's specific property managers around the home, plus franchising for offices. So there's two different um, aspects of it. But both of them are there to do this, is to, you know, and I'm not being disrespectful of our current franchises out there and the models that are out there. I'm not trying to be that. I'm trying to be different and offer more to them because I think one of the things that most franchises don't operate on is the welfare and the profitability of the franchisees. And I think we can offer better in that space. So the idea of, you know, saving money, having a flat fee model rather than having a, a, a dollar per um, commission charged because I know I did some investigation and rang many franchises and found out where their discontent was. And that means that when they're not doing so well, there's a, they, they don't get the support. And when they're doing well, they overpay, they feel. Um, the second thing that we want to do is show everyone how to diversify your revenue. Um, sales is a really tricky business, right? When market's going well, like it is at the moment, it's happy days for everyone. But we've all been through hard times, Adrian. Mm-hmm. We know what it's like when the market tightens up. And our rent rolls are good for that. I do agree with that. But the mortgage and finance piece, which we, I believe we've cracked the code on now, um, we are getting a large number of the people, not just buying up who are buying through us, but who are buying houses off other agents are using us. Um, we have a conveyancing department, which is, a, is again, a profit centre for our business, offering good service to our customers. We have a general insurance arm. And I think, you know, where, where, the, where I see the weak spot in real estate is we as agents create all this extra value down the chain when we do a sale or a rental, but we're not getting anything for it. And we pass it on to everybody else. And I just, I get a little bit frustrated with our industry because we're not diversifying ourselves and we're being too blinkered on the fact that we just list and sell houses and and rent houses when um, I believe we can show people how to diversify their revenue. And the other thing that we're concentrating on for people is show them an exit strategy out of their business when they want to exit out of their business. I don't think that's really well documented. And a lot of franchisees who I spoke to felt trapped in their business because they can't sell it. Now, I don't think that's a great thing to have as a business, to create a big business and create income and have fun doing it. But you've got to have an exit strategy when you're going into a business. And I don't think many franchisees are working on that with their franchise. Franchisors are working on their franchisees that way. Okay. That sounds fantastic. I've got to say to you, given someone who's in the field every day advising franchisees, advising business owners, advising, you know, high, high performing agents. Um, do you mind if we get specific on a couple of those things? Like, yeah, okay, 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 great. Yeah. Great. So, so when you talked about the flat fee model, as opposed to percentage, um, what, what, what's, what's the Coronas offering around that in spe- specifically? We're not, um, we, with our franchise model, I must say, we're not going for people who, who aren't settling about 12 properties a month. Um, we're, we're not going to be the, the business that's for people who, um, we, we, we don't want to be, and I don't mean, how do I say this in a way of not being, um, being fair to everybody. We want to show people who have got a good business how to elevate that. 
rather than showing someone who's not making many sales how to make sales. Um, that's just not going to be our scope. We would like to take people on who are uh, successful businesses who are going to grow the business to the next level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to have a fee um, that, that, that's a flat fee for, for, um, uh, for the franchise. And then there'll be other fees to do with, we'll be able to help out with um, property, uh, property management accounting, We'll be able to help out with general accounting. We'll be able to help out on, on in, in my opinion, buying cycle, uh, what I call buying cycles, which is um, photocopiers and phone plans and things like that, that we can help out and give better value to. So at this stage, we're looking for our first 20 people only um, to be on board. And, and it's not a rush to do this. And this is a new initiative for us. Um, and I'm, I... Um, I'm talking about the 20 people around the country who we feel we're we're in discussions with people, but we're being selective and people being selective with us. And it it takes a long period of time. Um, The fees that we're going to be charging for the the monthly fee is $3,000 a month as a flat fee going forward with that. And then there'll be ongoing fees with regard to what else everybody else wants to take on. Okay. And, and what you're saying is one of the minimum criteria is that they're, they're, they're doing 10 to 12 deals a month, you know, on, on average. Yep. So it's an established business you're talking about. Very much. Yeah. And we want to show those people how they get, like I did, and we've got history of doing it, how we get those from 10 to 12 to 30 deals a month. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, So if I'm one of the first 20, let's say that, that, that is eligible, um, high level, just high level. What, what what do I get for that flat fee? Just 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 if you you know just high level uh, if you can. Um, you you we're not going to compete on the technology space. We're going to be technology agnostic. I think sometimes we can get really heavily involved in that. And that's a really hard thing to take over. Um, you're going to get coaching on your business to go from 12 sales to 30 sales. If if you want to put it very high level, that's what we want to do. Okay. You're going to get coaching on how to evolve your rent roll business to what we've done, which is over 8,000 properties. You're going to get coaching on how to get your BDM team. And we're actually, I feel really comfortable and confident now with our BDM team and our organic growth of our rent roll because we're treating it like a sales team. Mm. and we can show you how to grow your rent roll organically. Now, they'll take investments from the people. There's no doubt about that. But we're we're coaching them to create a bigger and more sustainable business than just just make more sales. Understood, understood. And when you say technology agnostic, that means you're not going to be shoving agent box down people's throat or wrecks or whatever. It's going to be um, plug and play what what they're already using, for example. Very much. What, we, what we, we believe we're good at is handling the data. So we have um, a, a program at the moment. It's, it's, it's working well, but it'll, it'll evolve over time. But it'll sit over the top of everybody's and it'll API system into everybody's software so that we can get the data and show our marketing systems to their data to create mortgage and finance leads, to create rent roll leads. There's so much untapped opportunity in a real estate office with people's data just isn't being tapped because not being marketed correctly because quite frankly, most people are selling principles working really hard Mm -hmm. and we can show people how to utilize their data to diversify, diversify their income stream without changing their software. Changing their software is a, um, Difficult thing to do. There you go. It is. It is. Yeah. Now I've I've been involved in in transitions, and it's it's not easy. Um, you know, one of the biggest uh, franchisors at the moment is currently going through it. You know, and and I was involved with McGrath last year, and we we went through it. It's it's a process. It's a very big process. Um, 
you touched on a couple of sort of um, uh, penny droppers for me, Andrew, um, and and the verticals, the verticals of mortgage insurance and conveyancing. Now, I've got to tell you, working at, at high level in, in, in the McGrath business, which is an outstanding business, we tried very hard, right? tried very hard. And you said you cracked the code in mortgage. I don't think we did. We, we had a, a pretty good business in oxygen. Uh, we tried everything to incentivize agents to refer. And um, it was difficult. I'll tell you, I think we did okay, but it was just damn hard. Um, when you say crack the code, talk us, talk us through that. Is it, is it your own sort of sub business that you've got? Are you, are you partners with an aggregator? What incentives do you provide your agents, etc.? Yeah, look, one of the things about agents, uh, and God love them, they're, they're so, um, um, they're very committed and very focused on doing what they do well, which is listing and selling houses. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In a lot of cases, the rest of the ancillary income doesn't mean a great deal to them. Yeah. So um, we, again, through managing the data correctly and managing the data upstream is mm. where the real value is. Most people mm. who go to a house these days have got some idea what they're going to be borrowing for a mm. property. And I think as, as, as agencies, we, we, and, and I, when I say cracking the code, we're not good at getting someone who buys through Coronas to buy use Corona services. You know, we're working at about 14% at the moment, which is probably a little bit higher than industry, but not much, you know, <laughs> that's not where the value is. The value is dealing with the data and offering services um, from Corona's, um, um, Corona's mortgage and finance and showing them the journey and coaching them on that journey. Because look, most people who inquire on their first property really don't have an idea of finance yet. They're just getting an idea of market. Most tenants have got no idea. I mean, my opinion, the tenants are a very untapped, untapped market. Most tenants, especially are starting at a low base. They want help. They want support and they want to be able to grow. And not many agents grow, show them that, if that makes sense. Agree, agree. So is it, is it um, you know, just taken for granted that, that if someone's buying through Coronas, they, they, they would automatically be introduced to, to, to one of your finance brokers? And if so, what's, what's the process around that? And how do you incentivize the agents? Yeah, look, in a lot of cases, we do it for the agents. So we're not, you know, the agents do have relationships with our brokers. And, yeah. and the only way to do it, in my opinion, is not so much about incentives, it's about relationship. I mean, yeah. there is incentive in play, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But the big deal is not just here's some money. And I think you, um, you tapped on that before. Uh, yeah. You can offer what you want. It just doesn't work. It's got to come mm -hmm. down to the relationship. A referee-referee relationship is, is built on trust, like any other relationship. Mm -hmm. And the way that we get our brokers to build relation, trust the relationships with our agents is to do things for them to help them out like go to the weapon for inspections and help just help out yep. and be a party to it um but the bigger piece where we're getting the traction is actually working with the data without yeah. we, we, and, and offering value back to the agent by telling the people we're calling we're calling on the agent's behalf which gets their name out there they, they feel like they're doing a good service for them yeah um and that's a big piece for us. Okay. So reading between the lines, Andrew, you've got a process in place that every time a piece of real estate is sold, someone calls the buyer and the seller to offer the mortgage insurance and conveyancing part of your business. Yeah, that, that bit of it. We've got a concierge service, definitely. Mm -hmm. But the real magic happens with the buyer inquiry and the tenant inquiry when they're not a client of yours yet. There are many people who use Corona's conveyancing and they're buying houses off Ray White, for example, or someone like that at the moment because they really don't mind. It's a point in sale and nobody's really holding their hand. I don't think as agents we're very good at actually holding buyers' hands through the process or tenants' hands for that matter. Yeah. So if we can give them, you know, my my 
philosophy my father told me many years ago, if you want to help, if, if someone in need, if you can help them out, they'll remember it for the rest of their lives. And it's not a matter, and once they bought the house, they don't need you as much anymore. But when they're learning and they're growing, if you can offer them services, they'll remember them, they come back to you. Mm. So we have a full concierge service that goes through the data very early on, not just when they're buying and selling a house. This is buyer inquiry. You know, I think mm. last year we had uh, close to 270,000 buyer inquiries. Now that's a lot of buyer inquiry, right? How many of those people are buying a house and getting mortgage and finance and conveyancing and all the other services. And I'm sure in, in real estate agencies, not as big as ours, but every agency would have for the amount of sales they have to the amount of inquiry they have, it'd be 20, 30, 40 times. I agree. Current market. And, and do you get much resistance from your leasing people, or your sales people say, Oh no, don't call my client. You know, do, do, does any of that ever happen? Yeah, and I think that comes back to the value we show the agents. And the, the value we show the agents is actually get, um, going through the data for them and finding listing leads for them. And it also depends on the quality of conversation. If you're ringing up and you're badgering someone to use, to use a service, that's really poor. So, again, this is all about offering services at the right particular point in time with people, and that's where the crowd cracking comes in. If you offer the person the right service at the right time, like removals we're just bringing in, at the right time, they grab it because they're going, thank you so much for helping me. Mm -hmm. I've always said about real estate, two things. When someone's in real estate mode, they probably complain a bit that the real estate agents won't ring them and give them service if you're talking mm -hmm. about buyers. But when they're not in real estate mode, they complain the real estate agents are trying to call them. Mm -hmm. So you know, our responsibility with the data is to, and we've got a data scientist working on it, is to work out when's the optimal time to call someone in their journey with the right service. So they say yes, rather than why are you calling me with this? Mm -hmm. So it gets a bit more scientific, I suppose. It, it's absurd that this is so revolutionary, Andrew, yeah. in the industry. It's absurd because when you look at the car industry, um, it would be very unusual, very unusual, if not, um, um, you know, never the case that someone purchased a car and you don't get introduced to the finance person and do the deal through through that finance person, right? So it's just incredible that it's such a revolutionary concept in, in our industry. But good, good for you for, um, uh, uh, um, you know, adding value. And if I was an agent, I would adopt an attitude of immense abundance and see the person that was calling my clients as an extension of my team and something that I don't have to focus on. I don't have to worry about. I just focus on my highest and best use, which is listing and selling. However, knowing there's an expert in insurance in conveyance and in mortgaging that's, that's just happening in the background passively and creating an annuity type income for me. That's the, that's the mentality I would adopt. But the reason I asked is, do you get resistance is because in my previous business, this is what would happen. You know, we'd parade incentives. We'd say, Oh, look, why don't we call them? Oh, you know, and, and all this sort of, you know, scarcity, mentality which is just absurd yeah look thank you for saying that i think our industry is so narrow-minded about about the different you know about abundance versus scarcity what data is open right data is everywhere no one really has a client no one really has privacy these days they're dealing with every agent there is out there and i think the better service we can provide them by offering opportunities at the right time is an advantage but again i think you've got to we've got to change our industry 
from scarcity to abundance. There is so much work out there. It's ridiculous. It is insane. And there's enough work for everybody. So you don't have to squabble about it either. Yeah, I agree. Um, now, now, Andrew, uh, you know, in, from not knowing your business intimately, and I'm sort of starting to, to get to understand it, um, from, from afar and from a different state um, and being, you know, involved in uh, management, corporate, sales, in every area of our industry, I always saw Coronas as, as, as a very strong property management business. Um, and you, you just threw a number out of, out of 8,000 managements. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. over 8,000 Over 8,000, yeah. That, that's an incredible asset. Um, and, and I've never told you this, but, but I employed a couple of, 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 uh, of ex-Coronas people only because they, they moved areas or whatever. And sure. after the first couple, after the first couple, I, I, I was observing them and they had a very good work ethic. They were very process-driven um, and they were highly, highly trained. And, and after that, anyone who applied for a role that had Coronas on their resume, I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. so um, is, are you known for that? Because as I said, I've never mentioned this to you, but, no, but, yeah. but yeah, it must be a, a, a cultural piece that's, that's well known in, in, you know, your part of the world. Yeah, I think not just in, in, in sales, but in property management. I mean, our, most salespeople get, get touted, our property managers get touted, because I think we do offer that level of training and, and systemization that makes jobs run better. Um, I, I'm not a very big believer in, in, in Rafferty's rules. I don't think that works well, and I don't think it creates a great work environment. Um, and I think with property management to single that out because we treat it as a totally separate business and a totally separate P&L and it has to stand on its own two legs and grow. And we have a director in charge of that and her responsibility is to grow that. It's enabled us to grow a big property management business. And she's been excellent at what she's done. She came to us when she had 150 properties and now she has um, the... Um, um, 150 properties and now we have over 8,000. So it's, mm. it's an incredible growth story. And we look, we bought a lot of those too, to be honest, but that, that's all part of our journey. Mm. So what period of time did we go from 150 to over, over 8,000, we're saying? Uh, well, I think we started in, when Jody started, uh, it was 19, the, the big acquisition, first acquisition we had was about 2002, 2003, somewhere around there. Okay, yeah. And the people I was referring to were property managers who, who have moved state, who moved from Queensland to Sydney yeah. or whatever. And, you know, and I just, I just noticed in, a, a very sharp contrast in their work ethic and their culture in terms of sort of coronas versus non corona So you're doing something right. So, so yeah, good, 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 good for you. Yeah. Um, so this, this new initiative of, of franchising, um, what's the objective apart from, apart from creating a better uh, industry? Cause you said that you had a very altruistic sort of upfront um, disclaimer around that, which is, which is great. And, and part of it's got to be, a higher dissemination rate of the Cronus brand as well. Um, but it doesn't seem to be, unless you're going to have massive scale, it doesn't seem to be initially at least a huge money-making exercise. So what, what, what's, what's the objective, um, you know, behind it all? The, the objective is for the first people that we get on board is they become incredibly successful mm-hmm. uh, and then we'll be able to grow around Australia. It's all based on growth. There's no doubt about it. Um, mm-hmm. We, we believe that that's our way of expanding around, well, Australasia. We have big um, dreams to do that. 
And it's, it's, it's a matter of investing in the industry and investing in our first 20 people so that we have such a strong base to work from. I think sometimes um, in the past, I know I've been guilty of it, is I go too quickly with a scattergun approach and try and get as many people as possible. Mm. Um, but I think that blows itself apart and that you can offer the, the, right, the, right, um, the right culture around people. And got to remember, we're not interested in people yet who haven't, you know, can't get to that base level of a good business and good turnover in their business. Usually if you're doing 10, 12 deals a month, you've got a good business. It may or may not be profitable, but that's where we can help out. Well, you've got good revenue, you've got good turnover, you've got good bones. Um, it may have a good rent roll. It may be ready for expansion with that rent roll. And we can show you how to do that. So ultimately it's about growth. It's about having fun. It's about our five-year plan. Operation Eagle um, is something that we'll work. we just unveiled to our team, which is really cool. Um, I've given me new energy for the business and I'm really excited about it. So part of that is, is growing all around Australia and ha um, having a valuation event in five years time um, with our business and our franchises, if they choose to have an exit strategy as well. Okay. And that, that's, sorry, Operation Eagle, that, that's part of a five-year um, succession plan in their business. Is that right? Is that what you're Very talking? much. Yeah. yeah. Not just for them, but for the whole Coronas group, to be quite honest. Um, okay. I, I'm, I've been now doing this 30 years and um, I'm looking forward to in the next year or so moving to a, a chairman role in the business rather than CEO role. I'm grooming somebody in the business um, we, who will hopefully come through. We'll be advertising for that role in a year or so to find the most appropriate person to grow our business. Mm -hmm. But I will still be very involved strategically and culturally, um, which I think where I add value. Mm -hmm. um, and then we will have a situation where we're working to a very set plan for all of our business units for a five-year play where we'll have a valuation event, which will be a sustainable growth over those years. One of the big things I did, one of the big things I did just recently was get a really red hot CFO. Um, and I've never really had one, you know, when you come from a small business and you grow that way, it's something that hasn't been a big strength of mine, um, financial modeling, because you do it um, with my ethnic background, you do it off the, the, the you, you do it on the fly, if that makes sense. And we've got, had good bookkeepers and we're good financial controllers, but we've never had a red hot CFO. And COVID has delivered us someone who is very high up in flight center, to be honest, who's given us incredible strategy of what we can do with our business and where we should be taking it. So I'm very excited about it. And do you think coming from a different industry, that that particular person has brought quite an objective, fresh set of eyes and non non real estate set of eyes? Very much. Yeah, very much. But it's interesting because we have to teach him about real estate as well. Mm. So it's a really interesting point. You can't have a, a numbers person running salespeople, in my opinion, by the way, because that doesn't work either. Um, salespeople and sales are, is a very um, unique business in itself. But he brings things to our business that I would never have thought about or we've never thought about and how to diversify our income stream, how to protect our business for good times and bad times and how to get to um, a valuation event in five year time so that we're working towards the goal again to set up our financial futures as well, which I think is very important. Mm. Yeah. So reading between the lines, um, it sounds like this five year plan is an important one and includes and includes some sort of equity sharing. Is that is that is that what very we're much. hearing? Yeah, yeah okay. very much. Okay. Very okay. much. Okay. Where we're going and the size of the business that we're going to be. Um, it's going to be worth a, a very valuable piece because we're going to, the valuation of the business will be sustained by as a, at a maximum, 30% uh, will be the sales business, 30% will be property management and 30% will be uh, mortgage and finance. Um, we're, so we're turning it into a property services business rather than just a straight real estate business, um, which makes, in my opinion, will make it a more attractive business than just a sales and rentals business.
Okay. And that's, that's what I want to share with everybody else. Good, good. And what's the, because you're saying, it, it, you know, we're, we're expanding Australia-wide. What, what's the lowest hanging fruit in terms of the states and territories apart from Queensland? Or, or what, what's imminent um, for, 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 for the Coronas Group at this stage? Um, I, I believe the, um, the, I think Melbourne and Sydney, I think mm-hmm. Melbourne, um, and that's not a matter of um, starting businesses from scratch because that'll take too long for us. That's a matter of showing some of the better businesses in, in, in Melbourne and Sydney, again, how they can save money, they can diversify their income and they can have an exit strategy in, in five years time because we're not, we're not going for businesses to grow them um, from zero to mid-size. Yeah. We want mid-size to and I think that whole piece of an exit strategy, I mean, the, the ones that I've spoken to around the country who are franchisees really don't know how they're going to get out of their business. Mm. And I don't think that's a really, um, I don't think that's really considered if that you don't think about one day, you're not, you're going to lose energy. I see it in Queensland all the time. I'm, I know it's around the country where you've got a selling principle and they do very well. They earn a lot of money um, and they, they, they get financially set themselves, mm. but then where to from there? because mm. their skill sets don't allow them. They're the people we want to take to the next level to show them how to be business people, if they choose, mm. to grow their business. Now, I, I have to agree with you because I have a lot of conversations and that, that is a pain point for, for a lot of them, especially if they don't have children that want to enter the business or whatever it might be. Um, it's, 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 it, is, it is an issue and, and, and especially ones that are reaching their 50s, 60s, whatever it might be, is, is you know, what, what to next. I think that's, that's a, a very perceptive um, point to look at. Now, these businesses, um, given, you know, you, you mentioned before that, that the sort of bricks and mortar office could be a thing of the past, are these businesses all going to have a bricks and mortar office or not necessarily? Not necessarily. Um, you know, we have, we have a, um, people who are running non-bricks and mortar. So, I, uh, again, just like the, uh, the, the technology piece, we're a bit agnostic about that, how the person believes they can, they can run their business. There's somebody that we're talking to in Western Australia at the moment has three salespeople working for them and they're doing the numbers we're talking about. They're a very successful business, but they, don't have, they have an office upstairs somewhere. Right. Um, uh, it's it's an out-of-service office and he's very savvy with his costs and actually very profitable business. He just wants to make sure that he can grow it to a level it's worth something and he can have an exit strategy. That's his big Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, w- would it be fair to say, and I might, I might, I might um, mis- misunderstood it, but would it be fair to say that this part of your business will be similar to the agent service businesses that have popped up, like Urban X and EXP, like uh, yeah, some somewhat similar? Yeah, look, I, I think somewhat similar. The fact that we, we, we see benefit being behind a brand too. Yeah, I think the public yeah. still see benefit behind a brand. You know, I was driving mm. around the other day. Mm. It's, you know, a lot of people don't understand. It's pretty confusing when you see, you know, standalone brands and signs. I don't mm. think buyers mind too much, but, you know, it can be confusing for a lot of people. So whether our opinion is that we see benefit behind one brand, but there is certainly that aspect of providing a lot more services than just um, providing a name. Um, yeah. And we're not here to say we're the best name. We're not here to say we're the best marketing. We're not here to say we've got the best tech. I think that's, in my opinion, just old school franchises. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that franchises of the future are going to have to offer real value of how to grow someone's business and ultimately their assets so that they can choose to sell, move on um, and have um, somebody show for the work they've done. And do you think the first 20 are going to be independents or do you think they'll be in existing franchisees who want to rebrand? We're talking closely, and we haven't got anybody at the moment, yeah, mm-hmm. but we're talking closely with 10 people. Out of those 10, funnily enough, there's a 
about 50-50, just like the normal market. It's about 50% franchise and 50% uh, independent. Because the franchises are struggling because they're paying a lot of money and they don't feel like they're getting value, or some of them, some of the franchises, sorry, some of the franchises are saying that. And the independents don't have the horsepower to employ people in their business to grow it to the level they want it to. Um, so that they, it's, it's, they're making good. All of these businesses make money. So it's not a matter of not making profit. It's a matter of where to for the future. And that's, that's the difference we're talking about here. And just, just looking at a helicopter view and, and just being the devil's advocate, if I, was, if I was one of your leading agents in your company-owned business, let's just call it for argument's sake, um, wouldn't I be putting my hand up to be one of these franchisees, let's say, for example? Very much. And we don't have an issue with that either. I think, you know, I, I, to be honest, I've been too insular around that in the past. Um, mm. Look, if, if we stand behind our real purpose, which is to help grow people's lives, and one of our agents wants to be one, you know, an operator franchise under us, I, it's not an issue, you know, because quite frankly, if we don't do it, they'll go somewhere else anyway. Mm-hmm. So I'm not in, I'm, as I've matured, I've just turned 50 recently, and as I've matured, I realise rearguard actions never work. Trying to mm-hmm. stop someone doing anything in life just doesn't bloody work, right? Mm-hmm. You've got to actually help them develop and grow. And, and where the consequences of that is, is so... Yeah, to answer your question, no, I wouldn't have an issue with that at all. Mm, that's interesting, yeah, because obviously ca- coming from the McGrath business, you know, we had a lot of success converting company-owned offices into franchisees, mm-hmm. and um, it, it was it was immediate the, the 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 contrast in energy and productivity because paying a sales manager to be there who doesn't have skin in the game is very different to have a selling principal who's got skin in the game. Um, and it was amazing to see same market, same geographics, <laughs> everything, just the shift in energy and the shift in productivity, you know? So, but you know, there's always that juggling act on, oh, you know, hundred percent, but then I go to the, to, to eight or, or percent or 3000, whatever, whatever the model is, but that abundance mentality, you know, I think as a business matures and learns through its mistakes, as, as you've just been very um, open and, and sincere in saying, you know, I'm, I'm turning 50 in, in two weeks time as well, Andrew. So I'm with you, you know, that you, or you've got all these reference points through your life in, in making good decisions and bad decisions. And I think the altruistic and abundance mentality is really the only mentality to adopt because as you said, an agent reaches a certain point and they say, what's next? A business owner reaches a certain point and they say, what's next, you know? And unless you're there to provide a pathway and a solution, well, they're going to go somewhere else. And retention is something that obviously you've been focused a lot on in your property management business. Otherwise you wouldn't have 8,000 managements and such a strong team. Um, And now it's, it's obviously something that you're looking to, you know, disseminate through your sales culture and business, which I think is, is a great attitude. Yeah, look, you, you hit it on the head. You know, it comes back to the why. I think, you know, in the past, and I think this is not just for our business, I think it's for every business. When you do well and you're making the money you expect to make and the finance, your business grows to a level that you are proud about, it's very hard to see the next for you. Um, and you've got to consistently see the next for everybody else in your team because if you don't, as you say, they're going to go and find their next. And it's a real change in culture in our business that is for everybody there, we sit down and say, what's your next? And 
if it's not in the business's best interest in the short term, it surely will be in the long term if we keep looking after our people that way. And I think, you know, like most businesses, we in sales especially, you, get, you grow to a certain level and you go into protection mode. I think that's the worst way to play any game. And I'm, we're all over that as a team now. We play to win at every stage now and play to grow and play to have fun rather than, oh, when here now, we're happy. That, 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 that's, if you do any, you know, I've done a bit of study on business cycles and, you know, business goes like any human. You know, Jeff Bezos says it, you know, um, that every business is destined to die. Your job as a CEO is to put it off as long as possible. Mm. And it goes through stages of, you know, youth and adolescence and, and middle age. And, and eventually, if you don't keep evolving and staying in that youthfulness and exciting stage and challenging and making mistakes, your business will eventually die. It will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, look, if you're not growing, you're dying. That's, that, that, that's, 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 that's a reality of life. You mentioned about business. I, I remember actually sending you a message a couple of years ago um, because, uh, as most people know, I've done a master's degree in business. And I, I, I recall um, seeing a post that you, you did a Harvard you know, master's course or something and we, we had a chat about it. Tell us a little bit about that. That must have been fascinating. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. In fact, um, I've got, um, once a year, I'm in a business group, and once a year um, we have the, the honour, and I call it an honour to go to Harvard, stay on campus, and we do a week long for nine years um, as part of this course that I'm doing. Uh, and this year I'm so excited because with COVID um, and with the lecturers over there, we, we're, we're doing a, um, with some other businesses around the country, including another real estate agency um, business in Adelaide, we've got um, Boris Groisberg, who's, in my opinion, the best, business lecturer in the best professor sorry in the best business school in the world Mm. um doing a six-part series for us once a month for the next six months so yeah again getting back to that what i said early education and knowledge is the power and Mm. once you've got it implementing it is really really important so Mm. for me i'm lucky enough i call it like christopher columbus going away and getting the herbs and bringing it back to the business um every january i get to go over to harvard learn new things and bring it back and put into business and i think that keeps me fresh i know Mm. that and the first time you went there andrew was was it for a week or was it longer no, it's all a week. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's a nine year course, um, yeah. a week, a year for nine years specifically. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Um, mate, you've been very open and, and, and honest and sincere with, with all the information you provided. And yeah, I wish you so much success in, in, in all your business um, going forward. And it, I've, I've certainly admired you and your business um, from afar. And, and as I said, anyone that I've worked with that's, that, that's, that's come from, from your business has been an outstanding candidate. So, so really um, thank you for that. Um, as we start to wrap up, cause I, I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I always finish the podcast with, with four, questions and and um i don't prepare you for them so they're meant to be um uh, you know provide provide a uh, visceral response um, yes. f- firstly um uh, do you have a daily ritual or something you do it might be an evening ritual or something you do sort of on a regular basis at all um exercise five days a week okay yeah. good what what type of exercise um from riding a bike to going running uh, to gym those three, yeah. and and is that do you think that's a uh a support in terms of both physical and mental health um massively for, yeah. for anybody out there is not exercising um whether it's whether it's you know i do five days a week and i have the weekends off but and i do it with some friends who are ceos of other businesses and we get to talk about business and and um the complexities with it but look if you, if you can't keep your, your your mind straight for the day and you're not up early and you're not giving yourself all the best chance of dealing with things i, I implore you to have a crack at it and just commit for even a month and see how much better you feel 
Yeah, agreed, agreed. Next one is what's one of the best or even the best decisions you've made in, in business? 1995, have a crack at real estate rather than giving up. There you go. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so you, you were at that point of actually giving up at that yeah, point. Yeah, I told you, it yeah. sucked. Yeah. 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 We weren't making any money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. we, I, I had certain dreams in my life. I had five goals that I want to achieve in my life. And I just yeah. went, well, if I keep doing this, I'm not going to get that. So yeah. where are they going to make this work? And, and that was, you know, Good on you. Yeah. Good on you. Um, one of the worst, if not the worst decision you've, 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 you've made doesn't, you know, in, in business. Oh, wow. I have made plenty of them. Uh, <laughs> and One, I continue to. Yeah. Good, good, good. And I'm okay with that. You know, look, yeah. anybody who says they make good decisions all the time is, is a liar to themselves. Yeah, yeah uh, agreed. I, I think... Um, one of, the, one of the big things that if I could change, um, back in 2016, we were really on a tear um, and I didn't double down on our business and really go for it then like I am now. I'm really going, I'm really, you know, um, I'm really having a crack now. Um, but I think I got to a complacent, you know, I'm being very candid with everybody here. I think mm. I got to a, a stage where the business was going well and everything's fine. It's a great business and still done well since then, please. Mm. Um, but hasn't probably achieved what I believed it should have because mm. I was being conservative uh, and 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 more importantly, didn't evolve. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't evolve quick enough. This we don't think it changes much, but it changes rapidly all the time, especially with technology, right? Absolutely, yeah. If you if you don't like change, you're going to hate extinction even worse. That's yeah, that's, yeah. A, that's that's a saying that I like to tell a lot of agents, um, yeah. and it t- seems to resonate. Um, the last one, Andrew, and we really appreciate your your valuable time. Is um, no topic off limit. You get to ask yeah. me me a question. Aha. Uh-huh. Um, why do you think you've kept your energy for 30 years the way you have in real estate? Yeah, good, good question. Thir- 32 years and, and still going. And, and actually mm. for my, uh, for my energy levels sort of just, just getting warmed up in my opinion, um, you know, obviously being in the one organization for 26 years um, is a positive and a negative. Um, yes. But, but yeah, I've, only, I've, I've only got, terrific terrific memories from that business um so since then obviously you know i've i've, I've launched a, a coaching business and a business advisory business which um really keeps me on purpose because i love developing agents i love advising business owners i love um, um grooming associate agents into standalone agents i love ebu expansion um so so you know it's not dissimilar to you andrew you know you've got a you've got a you, you've got a a, a very very acute passion around um, profit, not just growth. You know, I, I love sitting down and, and actually moving the needle. So so that's that's important. That keeps me going, and it gets me wake woken up at four thirty every single morning. And you know, doing doing, I do three shifts. I call it Andrew. I do my sort of four thirty to six thirty email shift, which is like doing seven hours of work, as you as you probably know. Then I do my exercise, and then my second shift starts, which is back to back meetings until probably five or six. Um, which is a combination of real estate and, and coaching. And then I do my sort of evening shifts, which is more emails and stuff. So um, look, I suppose I've got the luxury of no children. So that's, that helps. Um, I've got the luxury of living a very clean lifestyle, not a big drinker or party or anything like that. Um, So um, that keeps me going. And, you know, I, I think, I think the fact that I've actually tried, I've actually tried on two occasions, Andrew, on two occasions 
to, to, to not do anything. So, you know, it's no, no secret that I was, I was one of the partners when McGrath went public, um, you know, and that, that was the most money I'd, I'd ever seen in my life, you know, jump into my account. Yeah. And frankly, frankly, it was exciting. But after a couple of weeks, I was depressed because I, ha- I no longer had any pur- purpose or had any reason because my goal in life was to be debt free. And at that point I was debt free. And then I was like, okay, what do I do now? <laughs> Cause yeah, yeah. I, I'd, I'd literally, I'd literally come from very, very, very modest um, upbringing. Yes. And um, at that point to be debt free was exciting for a couple of weeks. And then it was like, you know what? I said to my wife, we're going to buy a new house. And we're like, but we've got our dream house. Well, no, I need to get into debt. You know? So I literally, literally went and, and got into debt um, because I just needed something just to keep me going. And that, that was, that was one time. And then the second time was a forced period of time which was recently when i when i moved businesses you know so for, for for a couple of months on each occasion i didn't really work and there was only so many coffees you could have with people and there's only so many times you could go to the gym and go to the beach and i gotta tell you you know um early retirement is not not for me um and i think anyone that's that's tried it you, they'll find it's not for them um and you think it's your end game but you know when you're there it's like well this is just part of the journey um so so yeah, I, I think I've tried it and knowing um, what it feels like is not that exciting, to be honest, you know. So I ju- just want to keep growing, evolving like yourself, Andrew, you know. So it's, it's a good good question. I appreciate it. And um, I think a combination of, of seeing results firsthand and a combination of continuing to raise the bar every single time, you know, is, is, is important. Otherwise, complacency will creep in as it, as it did with you in two ven- vignettes of your career, you know. Yeah. And you, you don't want to go backwards there. Right? You don't want to go there again again right no i think look i think we always learn and we always keep getting better um it, it's not i totally agree with you it's nice to have a real purpose right and operation eagle for us turning our business into a uh, a fairly valuable business and having um, all strands of our business firing is really giving me purpose and i think you're 100 percent right it gets back to that why we talked about it originally it sounds really kind of dicky to say but it's not it's it's the real you know that, that 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 ability to get out of bed every morning and have a crack and it doesn't come from just money. Um, yeah. Money, you, know, you can do it for a certain period of time for money, but as you said, when you get money, it doesn't make you any happier. No. Uh, um, that's the problem, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, it's been awesome chatting to you, um, Andrew. I really appreciate your frankness and I appreciate, you know, you sharing, you know, so much IP that, that you've developed over three decades in the industry and also your sincerity and, and vulnerability around certain, certain topics. So, yeah, it's been outstanding. And uh, I think that people are going to get a lot of value out of it, mate. So I really appreciate your input. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. And thanks for having me talk. I, I mean, I think it's something that we should all be trying to add to the industry to make it better. Um, I don't profess to be the best at it by any means, but I'm just having a crack like everybody else. And I really do think we're onto something when we talk, you know, for established agents for franchising, who agency owners, I should say, to give them an opportunity of an exit strategy, growing an asset for themselves so they can get debt free by the end of it all if they want to. And they they can leave their business in a dignified way Mm. rather than struggling to get rid of it. I just, I, I saw somebody in Brisbane, inner city Brisbane, work his butt off for 15 to 20 years and sold his rent roll to somebody else which changed brands and left with the real estate agency that's selling houses now and i i'm a firm believer that when you don't have any rentals to go with your agency it makes it a lot harder Mm. because you don't get that uplift that comes from it and i just felt a bit sad for him you know he got an asset and he got some money but he he's now working still on the weekends when he doesn't want to Mm. because there's no way out for him 
Mm. And I just want to try and fix that for our industry. Mm. Well, sounds like you've got a, a, a sensible platform um, in order to do it with. And it sounds like that you don't want to grow just for growth's sake, that, that you want to do it, um, you know, in, in a, in a, in a uh, in a very sensible pace, and, and I feel that that's the right approach. You know, given given what I've what I've seen, which is the the best and worst of, of growth. So good yeah. good for you, Andrew. It's been fantastic yeah. talking to you. I really appreciate it. Hey, Andrew, uh, thank you. No pleasure. And um, folks, we'll see you next week. We've got some terrific guests. Andrew's been outstanding. And just remember to visit adrianbow.com. We've got a whole bunch of online training courses and a lot of coaching modules and my uh, real estate academy, which is a great um, daily content environment and real estate uh, community. So thank you again, Andrew. Folks, we'll talk again soon. All well, the best. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Good evening. Bye.